couple of times have you ever had to run from something? We've all ran from something that's been dangerous from us, whether it be a bear. Nat, you ever had to run from a bear? <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I run from a mouse, you know. <clears throat> but there's things out there in life that we have to run from, not because it might be a bear chasing us, but it's because it's something that could hurt us, something that could harm us, something that could uh, tear us up, tear us apart. There's things in this world that we got to stay away from. Number one is sin. We got to stay away from it. We got to run from it. We cannot be affiliated with it. We cannot be anywhere close to it. And the, the way I see it is, as long as we can stay away from that sin, uh, it's almost it's not going to be exactly like heaven because we know there's no no sin in heaven, but it's going to be more peaceful in our lives. Because, you know, when we get to heaven, it's going to be a peaceful place. We're going to be there with Jesus and all our loved ones, and we're going to be able to celebrate and, and feast and just have a good old time. There will not be a drop of sin there. So as long as on this side of heaven we can stay away from sin, we're going to live a more peaceful life. Yes, there's going to be stuff going on around us, but as long as we stay out of sin, we'll have a more peaceful life. So we're going to look at running from uh, away from that sin. If you got your Bibles open to Genesis 19, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 15, if you'll stand with me. Genesis 19, verse 15. The Bible says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hasted Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, uh, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, Hang on to that right there where it said uh, to neither stay in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to, to flee unto that it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. This, he says, is, is it not a little one, and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning uh, this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for thee which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain, remember that again, all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we uh, open up uh, your house, as we open up your word, Lord, and we praise your son. God, I pray that this morning 
that uh, you would just honor uh, what's been read. Father, I pray that you would honor our time that we have together. God, I pray that you would bless the hearts and souls that are the ones that are here today with us. God, and I pray that you allow us just to, to worship your, your name holy, Lord, and I pray that we can just glorify your name and anything that might be said or done. God, we thank you for the weekend that you've given us, Lord, so that we could uh, stop and just uh, uh, reflect back on our independence, Lord, where we have came, where we had come from, uh, such tyranny, Lord, and such a, an awful place, God, and I pray that you continue uh, to grow our country, Lord, as we need you now more than probably ever in the past century, Lord, I pray that now we can turn to you, God, and you can draw us out of all that's going on in the world, Lord, and this world will just turn around and come back to you, God, because I know that that is what would please you, that we would stop fighting and start loving, and Lord, we'd start loving one another as a neighbor, as we're commanded to do. God, we thank you again for today, and I pray, Lord, that you bless each one that's represented here today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Now, we're going we're gonna to be uh, bouncing all over some Genesis and Luke and, and, and a lot this morning because there's a lot that we need to understand. There's a lot that we need to know uh, about Lot. There's a, <laughs> you get that? A lot we need to know about Lot. And there's uh, a lot of things that we need to understand about Sodom and Gomorrah the cities of the plain, which we're going to look at for a few minutes this morning as well. I'll get a little nerdy on you, but there's some things in there that we need to understand about this because the cities of the plain are actually five cities. We've got Sodom, Gomorrah, and Zoar, plus there's two more we're going to talk about in a second and about what actually took place with these five cities. So we're going to get a little nerdy with you. Now, there's some things that happens in our lives that, that we need to reflect back on, and there's things that we have encountered in our lives that... Uh, and you guys, something will come to mind here in just a second when I tell you my story. Uh, there's things that make us look over our shoulders. And I want you to think, as I tell you my story, I want you to think about your story. My story is this. Several, many, 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 many moons ago, I was working a wreck on 421, a bad wreck on 421. I just happened to be really close, and I was by myself. So as I'm working this wreck, in uh, most uh, cases in on uh, two-lane roads, most people don't really slow down. They might slow and rubberneck a little bit, but in my case, the way the wreck had happened, I'm actually having to do patient care on the highway. I couldn't move the patient away from moving traffic, so I'm working the patient with traffic behind me. So as I'm trying to focus on patient care, I'm constantly having to look over my shoulder to see what's coming. Here's the key. You can't focus on what you're doing when you keep looking over your shoulder. Now think about that in your life. What Something urgent comes up on your plate, and it has to be done right then, and you've only got a few hours to get it done. What are you going to do? Are you going to do what's on your plate, or are you going to look over your shoulder at what you had been doing or what's due next week? How do, we, how do we deal with our time? We can't focus on what's important. We can't focus on the things of God when we keep looking over our shoulder at the sin that's behind us. You can't function that way. You're not giving God your all. You're not focusing on what is godly. You're looking behind your shoulder at things of the devil. And you, so you can't focus. We've got to be able to focus on God. Now, when Abram, Abram, not Abraham, Abram, and Lot got back to the Canaan from Egypt, they had so much wealth, they had so much gold and so much livestock that they couldn't live in the same area together. So, they had, to, they had to kind of split, and Abram told him, he said, Lot, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Go pick a nice place, and we're going to split. 
All right, now I want you to turn back over to uh, Genesis 13. Now, we're going to be in a whole other chapter for just a moment. Genesis 13, verse 1. Now, I'm going to read this to you because it's going to help tie all this together. Genesis 13, verse 1 says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all the, that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey, journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where... Uh, his tent had been at the beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, between Bethel and Haya, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and herdmen of Lot's cattle. And Canaanite and Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, if thou wilt take the land, the, the left hand, then I will go to the right, and if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram uh, dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities, remember that, in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly, and the Lord said unto Abram, After that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Now, I know that's a lot right there, but I need to tie it all together for you. Lot chose the Jordan Valley. The Jordan Valley is gorgeous. Jordan Valley is fertile. Jordan Valley has tons of water still. The Jordan Valley, Jordan River, runs through the Jordan Valley. So it is a gorgeous place. The Jordan Valley was what they called the Lord's Garden because it was so lush and so beautiful. So he's seen the pretty stuff on the outside. Lot's seen the good stuff. Lot's seen uh, with his own human eyes what looked really good. But what we've got to remember here is that it looked like a perfect spot, but there was a problem. Sodom. Sodom was the problem. So we had the Jordan Valley, but Sodom was on the outskirt. But so was uh, Zoar, and so was Gomorrah, and so are the other two we'll talk about a little bit later because I really can't pronounce their names without reading it. So we got these five cities. It looks good. The plain looks good, but we got cities on the outskirts that are full of sin. We've got to remember that. Our choices will, we, that we face in our lives, they look good from a distance. From down the road, it looks like a good idea. From down the road... It looks like something that we ought to do. From down the road, we can't see what's on the outskirts. We don't see when we pitch our tent that there's a Sodom, there's some sin. When I say Sodom, I'm, I'm referring to sin. When we see Sodom, where we don't see Sodom, we end up moving towards the Great Plain. We start moving towards the Jordan Valley, but what do we do? We move past the Jordan Valley and we move on into Sodom. 
Now, if you remember what we was talking about a while ago with, with uh, uh, Lot and the family, he moved near Sodom. He moved near the cities of the plain. But what happened a little bit later, we see him in Sodom. He moved his family from inside or uh, there in the valley into the sin. So we go from the nice green lush valleys and we move ourselves and our families into sin. That ain't God's will for us. God don't want us and our families living in sin. He doesn't want us living in Sodom. He wants us in those lush green valleys. He wants us where the water is abundant, the water of life. He wants us where that living water is. That's what he wants. He wants us to be in these gardens with him, not in Sodom, not in the cities of the plain. He wants us in his will. Now, remember, he pitched his tents first near Sodom, and that's in verse 13, or chapter 13. Then chapter 14 tells us that he's living in Sodom. Uh, Genesis 14, 2 tells us, it says that these made war with Barak, king of Sodom. Or I'm sorry, verse 12, I'm sorry. And they took Lot and Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. Now, the same is true in our lives. Don't pitch your tents near sin, or you'll be living in sin soon. Don't pitch your tents near sin because it will draw you in. If you've dabbled in sin any at all, you'll understand that it draws you in very, very quickly. Sin is like quicksand. You might take and put your toe in it, but the next thing you know, you're neck deep in it. You've got to be careful where you pitch your tents. Stay away from Sodom's. Stay away from that sin. I've heard stories of people who had, who had been hooked on addictions, and all it took was just one quarter in the slot. And they were addicted, and they were gamblers. There's people out there that are addicted to pornography because they just, out of the corner of their eye, they caught something on the computer, and then they were hooked on it. It just takes a little bit of sin. Just a, I remember growing up when I was in elementary school, my teacher always taught us about glue. A little dabble, do you? You know, you ever heard that? A little dabble, do you, when it comes to Elmer's glue? Just a little dabble, do you, and it'll spread. Well, same with sin. Just a little dabble, do you, a lot of harm. A little dab of sin will absolutely ruin you. It will just grow and manifest and overtake your life and absolutely ruin you. Don't throw your tents out near sin. Don't pitch your tents towards Sodom. Stay away from it. Keep your tents in the valley no matter where you go. If you play with fire, what's the old saying? If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. If you mess with the cat, you're going to get scratched. you mess with sin, you're going to get destroyed. So life lesson number one, I guess, don't mess with cats and sin. There you go. I hate cats. Cats are out of the pits of hell, just so you all know. They are. That's, that's the devil's pet right there. <laughs> so when God's talking to you, God speaks. You listen. And when God says run, you pack it up and you run. You ain't running from God. You're following his lead. But when he says go, you go. He says, go to the mission field, you go. But when he says, run from sin, you run from sin. You just get away from it. You don't want to be close to it because it will take you over. Now, there's three things this morning we're going to look at that God's saying to us out of this lesson from Lot. And the very first thing he's telling us is don't hesitate. If you've read this story about Job, or about Lot, I keep saying Job. If you read the story about Lot, if you'll notice, Lot does what we do. We hesitate. God's telling us, don't hesitate. Don't wait. He's saying, get out of here. When God tells you to run for your life, you better move quick, fast, and in a hurry and get out of Dodge just, just as quickly as you can. Don't 
hesitate. The angels came to Lot and warned him of the impending disaster that's about to take place. We have all been warned. God warns us. Stay away from it. God's telling us that still small voice. God's telling us through the Holy Spirit in our, in our hearts, stay away from it. Don't mess with it. But what do we do? We tend to hesitate. So they, they tried, to, tried to talk to him, but Lot hesitated. So what did they do? They grabbed him by the hand and led him out of the city. They had to take him. They had to physically remove him and the family out of the city because he hesitated. hesitated. He was dragging his feet. I don't know if Lot enjoyed what he was living in. I doubt it because it was a sinful place. It was a wicked, wicked place. It was a bad place. All five of them were bad places. But he, he drug his feet. He didn't want to go. He was hesitating. So the angels had to grab him and his wife's hand and his two daughters' hands and lead them out of that city to get away from what the destruction that was about to take place. When the angel said move, he meant now. Not Hey, Lot, you know, in, in a couple of weeks, you know, you, you might want to get your stuff started. Just pack and kind of we'll get a little road map together and we'll, we'll chart this thing out. and We'll have some, some uh, you know, stop off points and, and do a little touristy thing. That's not what the angel was saying. What the angel was saying is, now, get it and go. Come on. Get your family. Let's get out of here because some bad stuff's getting ready to happen right here in this little town. Get out of here. God tells us the same thing. He's saying, don't hesitate. When I speak to you, pack your stuff and get out of here. Now, Lot hears this warning, but he hesitated when he understood what it meant. And the same is true in our lives right now. We find ourselves in places and relationships that are bound for destruction. Bound. We, we are spiraling completely out of control. We are getting ready to destroy ourselves. And the same thing happens. God says move and we stop and we hesitate. Instead of backing up, and going where God's saying go, we hesitate. Don't be a lot. Don't hesitate. Don't be Lot's daughters. Don't hesitate. Don't be Lot, Lot's wife. Don't hesitate. Move when God says move. Get out of the way before he destroys whatever's destroying you. We, overth what do we, we overthink. Christians especially overthink. Well, and Be honest with me. Sometimes don't we get a little bit confused, is this the devil or is this God? Be honest with me. Is this the devil talking to me or is this God? And so we hesitate. We overthink. We are overthink Christians are overthinkers. Human beings are overthinkers, but we as Christians, we overthink so much stuff in our lives. God's saying, don't overthink. You're going to know when God speaks to you. And when he says, go, we are to Go and get out of it. Has there ever been a time in your life when God has grabbed you by the hand and had to drag you out of a situation? Probably. There's probably a time or two in our lives where something, you might have been in an abusive relationship or an addiction or something bad in your life, something that is just absolutely destroying you, and God had to take you by the hand and drag you out of it because you hesitated, because you, you wouldn't listen. And so he had to remove you from that situation. I thank God that he removed you from that situation. I thank God that he, he was there with you while you was dealing with whatever it was and was able to grab you by that hand, just like Jesus done Peter when he fell, you know, he's walking on that water and he sunk because he, he, lost, he, he, he lost his faith. The wind and that boisterous wind and the waves scared him. He took his eye off Jesus. I'm thankful 
that he is still there with us when we're in those situations. He, he will take us by the hand like he did Peter and get us to the safest place that we can be. And the safest place that we can be in this life is in the center of God's will. That's where he wants to lead us to. and He wants to keep us on that track right there. We can't hesitate. When we run, we've got to run fast. And we've got to get out. Always remember that. Run fast. Get out of there. Now, remember that story of, uh, of Joseph when he was uh, in charge of Potiphar's house? I was trying to catch my gears here. Remember when he's there and he was in charge of Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him? I'm going to read this to you real quick. It's just a couple verses. What did Joseph do when he was tempted? Verse, or Genesis 39, verse 11 says, And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And when Joseph saw that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, what did he do? He ran. He's a smart man. He could have overthunk that. He could have stopped and he could have argued with her and said, no, nah, this ain't a good idea. This is look bad on both of us. You know what? He could, have, he could have discussed the issue with her and tried to explain how what was right and what was wrong. He could have, but he didn't. What did Joseph do? He ran. He's a smart man. I can still picture that. She's standing there holding his, his garment, whatever he's wearing, because she grabbed him by his clothes, and he probably just, you know, spun around and ran out naked, more than likely. But he ran. I don't care if he's naked or fully stitched. It don't matter. He ran. He got out of there. He didn't try to argue with her. Now, listen to what James says. James 1 says, uh, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God can be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, sided. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We know that one. James is saying, evil thoughts lead to evil actions. I can, I can narrow that down for you. Evil thoughts lead to evil actions. What kind of thoughts you got going through your mind here? The key to overcoming temptation is to catch it early. And it all starts right here in your little mind. Right here. Devil's playground, right here. Devil's going to work in your mind, and he's going to absolutely wear you out. And you've got to stay away from that temptation. He's going to get your attention. He's going to mess with your mind. Devil can get your attention, and then he can get you if you're not careful. You don't fight it. Don't fight the devil. Run from it. Run away. God's telling you, run from it. Run from that sin. Run from the devil there. You're, you were to refocus our attention on something else. We have to refocus it on the Word of God. If you ignore it, it'll we it weakens it. If you ignore sin, it weakens it, don't it? Yeah, because that's the devil. When you ain't paying attention to the devil, he gets mad, but he gets weaker. When you refocus your thoughts on things of God, things of heaven, you're making him mad, but you're making him weaker because you're not one of his children. You're not doing what he wants you to do. You know what God wants you to do. Now the Bible does not tell us, now listen to this, okay? It does not tell us to resist, resent, oh, get out here in a minute, resist the temptation. What's the Bible tell us to do? Resist the tempter. There's a big difference in those two. There's a huge difference in those two. Now, when Jesus was in the desert and the devil tempted him, 
Jesus didn't resist that temptation. He resisted the tempter. He resisted the devil himself. Now, Jesus doesn't say, no, thanks, I'm, I'm, I'm really not hungry, because no, he was hungry. If you go back into Matthew 4, it's going to flat out tell you in the first verse that he fasted for 40 days, so you know the man is starving to death. But Jesus didn't look at the devil and say, no, thanks, I'm not hungry. He rebuked him. He resisted the tempter. He resisted the devil. That's what we are to do, resist the devil. Matthew 4.10 tells us, Then Jesus said, uh, Jesus, the Je- Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, and thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. See what happens when you resist the tempter? He leaves you alone. It weakens him. It gets him out of your life. That's what God wants us to do. Resist the devil and start quoting scripture at him. Start throwing Bible verses at him. Start reading the word. Start praying to God. And you make the devil as bad as you can. And then he's going to get so weak that he's just going to leave you alone for a while. For a while. I promise you he'll be back. He always does. He's going to come back. He's going to find some other niche in your life. And he's going to put his toe in there. And get a, a little toe hole. And he's going to try again. But when he comes back, you keep resisting. You keep fighting. The more you fight something, the more you focus on, on it and move toward it. I'm not going to eat any more chocolate cake. If you've got that in your mind, I'm not going to eat that chocolate cake. I'm not going to eat that chocolate cake. What have you done? You focused on that chocolate cake. So all you're going to think about is that chocolate cake. Unfortunately, I have 12 cans of Cheerwine in my little refrigerator in my office right now. Ice cold. Ice cold. I haven't had a soft drink in going on three weeks now trying to lay off the sugar the more i sit in my office in my study and i'm thinking about the word of god i'm thinking there are 12 ice cold cans of cheer one right behind me so again the word of god is laying on my desk in front of me and i'm looking over my shoulder at my little mini fridge full of cheer wines that's what i want so i'm not thinking of godly things i'm thinking of worldly things it's drawing my mind off of it you're focusing on when you start focusing on that sin, that's all you want to think about is that sin, that chocolate cake, that piece of pie that you really, really want, that cheer wine, sun drop. Anything with sugar and caffeine in it right now for me would be awesome. I just stick with water and coffee, I guess. But the more you say to yourself, I'm not going to eat this or drink this, the more you're going to focus on it. There was a, a traveling salesman one time, this is years ago, it's actually a true story. There's a traveling salesman one time that had a magic potion that said if you would put this magic potion in your water, your water would turn to gold. But there was a catch to it. And I'm going to read this to you. <laughs> the catch was, while you followed the detailed instructions, you could not think about red monkeys or the potion would not work. Do you think everyone ever that used that was able to do that? Do you think that as you're pouring that potion over in your water that, that you're not thinking about red monkeys? Needless to say, nobody ever got gold out of their water because they were constantly thinking about red monkeys. That would have been the perfect Andy Griffith episode. I'm just telling you right now. I could just see Aunt B buying that potion. She already got into somebody's elixir that time. But just think about it. That's what we do when we know that we're not supposed to. Think about these kids. Don't touch that. That's the worst thing to ever tell you. Don't touch that. What are they going to do? They're going to touch that eventually. That's 
Uh, don't touch it. They touch it. Don't put that paper clip in the outlet. They're going to do it. Don't pee on that electric fence. They're going to do it. I promise you. That's what we that we're going to do it. Did all the time. Don't if you keep focusing on. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. They're going to do it, but they're going to learn. They are going to learn. Eventually, they will learn. There are times that you have to get up in your life, and you're going to have to turn that TV off because whatever's on TV ain't worth fit to be watching. You don't need to be watching that stuff. Just turn it off. Best thing we ever done is got rid of cable and satellite. We got Roku, which means it's like 24-7 and your Griffith. It's okay. I'm good with that. When that bad stuff comes on, turn it off. When you're in a, a group of people and they ain't doing nothing but talking dirty and telling dirty jokes, walk away. Get away from it. Because all you're doing is promoting that sin. And you're getting it in your life and in your mind. When you're at a party or you're at a get-together and they start serving the alcohol or start doing things that they ought not be doing, get out of it. Get away from it. Me and Maria, I had only been in the travel department a month. Maybe when me and you went to Asheville. My boss had threw me under the bus. I'd been in the travel department exactly one month. I knew nothing about what I was doing, and she sent me to be the guest speaker at some big conference in Asheville. We had to go the night before because they had a big gala there. We walk in, and there was nothing but was just alcohol and alcoholics. and I mean, it was, it was pretty bad, so um, we just turned and walked away. Didn't want to be in that mess. Don't want to be a part of anything like that. Get away from it. Steer, steer clear of it. You know, if you don't want to get stung by a bee, what do you do? Get away from the bees. That's the best uh, thing that you can do. Stay away from the bees so you don't get stung. Get up and physically remove yourself from that situation. And number two, I'll get there eventually, don't argue. Number two is don't argue. Don't argue with God. You ain't going to win. What did, what did Lot do? He argued. I know a better place, God. That mountain, nah, I, I don't like that mountain. I know a better place. Let me go to Zoar. Let me take my, my people and go over to Zoar. When God tells you to run for your life, you better move where he tells you to go. I don't care where he tells you to go. That's where you go. It might not sound very fitting to you, but it's God's plan. It's God's will. When Lot and the angels got outside the city, they again told him, said, flee for your life. But what does he do? He hesitates. He has, That's all he does. Lot hesitates all the time. Genesis 19 um, Verse 18 and 20 says, And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord, behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now the city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live now what lot was really saying here is that he knew the way to safety better than god how many times have we ever done the exact same thing god i know better than you just let me do my own thing let me go my own way let me do what i think is right let me go on to zoar god that mountain is a little bit too high up there that hill is just a little bit too steep zoar's downhill let me just shoot on down here to zoar and and, and do my own thing uh, Lot was afraid to go into the mountains, and instead he wanted to do that nearby Zoar city thing. And here's where the nerdy thing comes out real fast, those five cities I was telling you about. The cities of the plain, there's five of them. 
Now, we know about Sodom and Gomorrah because that's all we talk about. And then we're talking about Zoar here. And the other two were Adma and Zibium, both of which were destroyed when Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. So God took out, if you read that, he talks about taking out those, the, the cities of the plain. He took them all out. Zoar was later. There's four of them that went down when Sodom and Gomorrah went down. He, took, he wiped it. He annihilated it. They're gone. He burned them up. They actually think that they may have found Sodom right now. They have found, it's really neat, I was, I was watching a documentary the other day about it. They have found where there was so much intense heat that where pottery had turned to glass. They said the only way that that could happen would be if lava was involved in it. I'm thinking that fire from heaven probably was lava type fire from heaven. But anyway, uh, we got those five cities. Zoar was the only one that God didn't destroy at, the, at that moment. He's destroyed a little bit later in time. But that's where, that's where Lot wanted to take his family. Let me just, you know, God, I, I know Boone is, is in pretty bad shape right now. So instead of me going on and, and moving to uh, Mount Airy, all right, how about if I just go over to Mountain City? I said, nobody ever. Ain't nobody moving to Mountain City. But that would be the same difference. God, just let me go to Mountain City. I don't want to go to Mount Airy. Let me go to Mountain City. God's saying Mount Airy is a whole lot better for you. You better go there because that's what I've got set up for you. That's where I want you to go. Now, the word Zoar in Hebrew means insignificant, which means a lot right here when we read the story because Lot traded God's perfect plan for something insignificant. God's perfect plan was the mountaintop. Lot's plan was very insignificant as a little insignificant town called Zoar. Don't trade God's perfect plan for something insignificant in your life. Whatever God's plan is for you, it's perfect. I promise you that because his word tells us that. His plan for us is absolutely perfect, so stick with it. But we do the same. We try to, we try to do our own little thing. and We substitute God's best in our lives for something that much less, uh, 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 it's just more dangerous if we do our own little thing. So, stick with God's plan. Stick with what he has for us. Now, not long after uh, Lot leaves Zoar and goes to the mountaintops like he was supposed to in the first place, and that's where he goes, and he, him and his daughters, and they, they live in those caves. Wouldn't have been better if he just trusted God first. Our lives are the exact same way as Lot's. We do our own thing. After God had told us to do a certain thing, and then we look back, and we see where God's plan was absolutely perfect. Why didn't we go there? Why didn't we go on to that mountain? And then we just kick ourselves in the tail. Man, if I'd only listened to God, if I'd only done what he said to do, life, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have caused so much trouble in my life. I wouldn't have caused so much trouble in my family's life. Verse 30. 1930 tells us, says, And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters, because Zoar was just like Sodom. Zoar was just like Gomorrah. So Zoar was just like those other two that I can never pronounce. They're all the same. All the same. I was trying to think of because the closest thing I can think of right now would be like San Francisco or Asheville or something like that would be the same as Sodom and Gomorrah nowadays. But just thinking about Asheville and having four other little 
cities around it that were like them. At some point, God's going to destroy it. He's going to take care of it. So instead of Lot leaving Asheville and going up to Mount Pisgah, he just went on to Hendersonville. How's that? Does that, does that paint a better picture for you? We've got to listen to God when he says go. God directs our paths, but we hesitate. and We want to go on our own ways thinking that, that we know better than him, and we don't know because he tells us that our thoughts, thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. So he's got the perfect for us. Now, number three, don't look back. Probably seen that one coming. There's a sad end to this, and of course, that's Lot's wife. What'd she do? She looked back. She done exactly what God said don't do. Exactly what the angels told them not to do. Don't look back. And she did. We don't know exactly why she looked back. Because she's a pillar of salt right now. We don't know why. Something made her hesitate just like a lot. Because remember, all four of them hesitated. All four of them stopped. And all four of them got their hand grabbed by an angel to bring them on out. But she stopped. She hesitated. I can almost see them in a dead run, and then she just stops. And she looks over her shoulder, and that's it. Poof. She's a pillar of salt. And we see that Lot reached Zoar before the Lord acted. Then they're warned not to look back and go as fast as they could. Now, well, I'm going to go over Luke here and just, just to, to cross-reference something real fast because I think it's very important for us. If you've read anything about the second coming of Jesus Christ, you will remember in Luke that he makes a reference to Lot's wife. If you want to follow, you can. It's over in Luke 17. Luke 17, 28. Likewise also, as it was the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And in that day, he which shall be upon the housetop, his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Now again, this is, this is Jesus speaking right here. He's talking about when he comes back for us, his second coming of Jesus. The second coming will be immediate. People will not have time to be prepared. That's why we preach it all the time. Be ready. Be prepared. Always be ready for the second coming because we don't know when he's coming back for us. That's why the day of salvation is now. That's why the time is now. Because we don't have, we're not promised that next second. Lord, dealing with your heart right now about salvation, get it done now. Don't drag it out till next Sunday or when everybody's out in the parking lot and it's just you and somebody else. Do it now. We can't prepare once he's here. We've got to prepare now while we tarry here on earth. We've got to be ready now. Get off your housetops. Now, life's wa life, Lot's wife was overtaken by the disaster because she looked back. And I believe the sin of Lot's wife was not the look, but the, it's the hesitation that it, it represented there. It was where she stopped, and she again thought again. She stopped, and she was thinking about what was behind her. How many races have been lost 
because somebody looked over the shoulder to see how close the next person was to them. I mean, really, you get on YouTube right now, and you can probably find some really good videos where people are running a good race, and they think that they're winning, and as they look, they turn around and look, they slow down just enough for somebody to shoot right on by. That's probably why they got spotters in NASCAR, so you don't have to always look behind. Your spotter's telling you who's coming up behind you and on which side and, and all that stuff. Don't look behind you. Don't look back. Never look back. Luke 9, 61 tells it says, and, uh, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And that, that's pretty tough right there. You can't plow looking back. It don't work. You ever tried it? You guys ever tried it? I don't care if you're running an old plow with a horse or if you're trying to use a tiller. What happens when you're using that thing and you start looking back? You're going to pull. If you're sitting there right now and your hands are just like this and you turn and look, look what, see where my hands went? Your, your hands turn wherever you're looking. If I look that way, it turns. You ain't going to have a straight row. Ain't that right in that? <laughs> I didn't ask your opinion. I just <laughs> asked if I was right. <laughs> Keep your hand to the plow and don't look back. That sin is behind you. How much sin you got at your house, Nat? How crooked are your rows? <laughs> don't answer that. Don't. <laughs> you can't follow Jesus that way either. You can't keep your eye straight ahead on the mark and follow him if you keep looking back at whatever sin is behind you. He's just saying keep your hand to the plow and go straight, as straight as you can, and don't look back. Don't see what's behind you. Don't look for that pillar of salt. But there's a lot of people today, maybe here right now, that have that, that in their mind. They're saying, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me go do this first. Lord, I'm right behind you 100%, but i got something i got to do back home real quick, and I, then I'll, I'll be there with you. God said, it don't work that way. You drop what you're doing, and you follow me now, right now. Don't go back. Don't look back. Just come on. Just come with me. I was reading this week, and, and it said, if Jesus ain't Lord of all, then he ain't Lord at all. I thought that's pretty good. If Jesus ain't Lord of all, then he ain't Lord at all. I don't know who said that, but I think that's pretty good. What have you placed before your relationship with Jesus? What in your life have you placed before him? What in your life do you keep looking back at? What in your life keeps drawing your plow off sides? Stop looking back. Don't turn around. Don't look at whatever's nice and bright and shiny behind you. Don't look at it. Even though this road right here might not be the path that you want to get to your mountaintop, maybe what you think is best is going through Zoar before you get there. I don't know. But whatever God, whatever path God is telling you to go on, is, that's the path that you're going to go on. That's the path you have to be on. Listen to God when he says, get up and run for your life. I'm going to close with this right here. I want you to listen to God. And when you start dabbling in that sin, when you start dropping them quarters in them slots, or you doing whatever it might be, and God says, run from it, drop what you're doing, stop what you're doing, 
and you get out real quick, fast, and in a hurry. And don't look back. Don't ever don't look back at Sodom. Don't look back at the destruction that's going on behind you because I, I guarantee you that's what's going on behind you is destruction. God will send that fire. Might not be a literal fire out of heaven, but he's going to send something to destroy whatever that is, and that's a good thing. You want God to annihilate that. You want God to take care of that, get it out of your life completely so that you don't focus on it, so you don't turn around and look at it again. When God says go, go, and go fast. Stand with me. We're going to close. That was for me. I don't know if anybody else got anything out of it, but I sure had an awesome time studying that one this week. When God says run, you run, and run fast. Run fast. Anybody have anything on their heart this morning? It's all right. Let her play. Georgia, give her lessons. I do want to say this, since Judy and the family's here. Why not Friday night, the service, funeral service. Preacher Joe, that was one of the most beautiful services. He done such an awesome job with that service. And that just uh, such an honor to be there and to listen to his words. Um, you could tell he loved your mama. He really did. That, that was a beautiful service. But uh, you still got a lot on your plate. So you keep praying for Judy and the family with all y'all got going on still. Vance going tomorrow still. All right, pray for Vance tomorrow. He's going in for a follow-up. EJ's got a follow-up tomorrow. a lot going on lots and lots going on yep it don't bother me I love it just like your youngins <laughs> we talked about that Friday night I told him I was <laughs> I told him one thing I've learned living in, in Watauga County because there's a ton of Hickses down there. I said, broom sage and Hickses are going to take that place over. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> Jerry, will you dismiss us, please? Amen. All right. Y'all see me tomorrow morning.